As we've um, been going through the book of Daniel, we've been seeing how God is the center of everything, uh, how he's the focus of each chapter, and he's revealing more of himself to us. We've talked about um, his wisdom, his power, his sovereignty, um, his salvation, and today we're going to remember that God is the God who answers prayer. Prayer is at the heartbeat of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Leonard Ravenhill once said, no man is greater than his prayer life. And as I think about that, I think, uh, why why is that? Why is prayer so important? Um, It really shows how much we know of God and of ourselves and what what we believe. Will we put it into practice by going to the Lord our God in everything? And so, ultimately, as we go throughout Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9, we learn that prayer is all about God, that He is the focus. He's the one we turn to the one we delight in. And there's a lot to be gleaned from Daniel's prayer. Um, But I want to point us to three uh, main things, to our confidence, our attitude, and our focus in prayer. Because true and effective prayer isn't just asking for what we want or saying the right words, but it is confident in God's promises. It trusts in God's character. Prayer is meant to be humble before God and focused on Him in all things. And so as we start, I want to read Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, and just talk a little bit about the, the context for Daniel's prayer. So Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. In the first year of Darius, the king of, or the son of Ahasuerus, by descent to Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, seventy years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel was a man of prayer. And you know, this prayer that we have in Daniel chapter 9 wasn't an isolated or special instance. It really came out of his daily habit of prayer and meditation on the Word of God. Um, It's actually sometime around this time when Darius became king that Daniel went to the lion's den. And why did he go to the lion's den? It was because he would not give up his daily going to the Lord coming before him in prayer because he valued the Lord uh, more than uh, 
the king's king's law. And so we're given a deeper glimpse in this chapter of the private prayers of Daniel. And really the first thing we notice in these three verses is that Daniel's prayer was in response to God's word. He'd been reading in the prophet Jeremiah, and I want to read to you a couple of the verses that he must have been reading. Jeremiah 25, 11 to 12, and 29, 10. Talk about this, the whole land of Israel would become a ruin and a waste. These nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, and I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And so as Daniel read these words, he realized this 70 years of exile that God had decreed was coming to an end. Babylon had been defeated, and so it was only a matter of time before God would bring his people back. What does he do with this knowledge? Verse 3 tells us, Then I turned to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. Daniel's confidence, Daniel's prayer came from knowing God's promise. Knowing God's sure and sovereign promise plan actually brought him to pray this prayer. And so really, the more that we come to know God's word, and the more we come to know him and his promises, the more we can pray with confidence, confidence in him and his word. God's sovereign purposes aren't excuses for us to be apathetic about life, but they're incentives for action, incentives to come to Him. I'm reminded of the, the many times that uh, God has provided for His people in answer to prayer. Harry Ironside told of the time when he was little and they had no food on the table, and his widowed mother prayed, Father, thou hast pr promised in thy word, your bread shall be given you, and your water shall be sure. And that was a promise from Isaiah 33, verse 16. A promise God made to those who walk before him in righteousness. And so she went on in her prayer and she said, We have the water and we thank you for it. And now we trust you for the bread or for whatever shall take its place. And when she finished praying, there was a knock on the door and a man stood there and he said, Mrs. Ironside, I feel very bad because we have owed you money for these many months for the dress that you made for my wife. We have had no money to pay you, but we've just now been harvesting our potatoes and we're wondering if you would take a bushel or two on account of the old bill. God is faithful to keep his promises, to provide 
for his people. That's among one of many of the promises that the Lord gives to us. And the question for, for us, as for Mrs. Ironside or these many others that we read of in stories, is will we trust God and his promises? And we can pray with faith even when the situations that we're in don't, it doesn't match up. It doesn't seem to, to be going well because we know that God's promises are true. That is our only confidence. You know that Daniel didn't pray with confidence here because it, the situation looked good. I mean, God was with him all through his time in Babylon, but he was still in Babylon. He was not in the promised land. So he, had, he was praying in hope in God and confidence because he knew God's promises and he knew that God kept his word. The truth is that we cannot pray for anything with confidence if it is not promised by God we do not believe his word. I want to point out something, though. It's amazing to me that whether Daniel prayed or not, we can be assured that God was going to keep his word. He was going to do what he said, the prophet Jeremiah. This is difficult to understand, I think. It certainly is for myself. But it is true that, that our prayers don't move the hand of God. They don't change the mind of God. His sovereign purposes always come to pass in what he has promised. And sometimes that makes us feel and we wonder, why would I bother to pray? Why does God even command us to pray if he's already going to do what he wants to do? If he's sovereign, what's the point of my prayer? Really, it comes down to the fact that the Lord longs for us to be in line with his will, to want what he wants, to have the faith to believe his promises. So he gives us these opportunities to be a part of what he is doing. Like a father, a father doesn't need their child to help them with driving the tractor or building a table or mowing the lawn. But they delight in the fact that their children would want to help them and they, want, they, want, they encourage that. And so God wants us to trust him and to learn and to grow and to seek him. He gives us these opportunities to pray and to see how God works in answer to our prayers. When we pray according to his promises. We can be completely confident in God even when we don't see the results. On the other hand, when we pray according to our desires, our confidence is misplaced. It's not in the Lord. James 4 verse 3 says, You 
ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. There are many times where our prayers are about us and not what God wants. The Lord does not answer such prayers. In fact, he promises the opposite. He says that he will strip away the things that keep his children from him. That like a loving father, he'll, he will discipline us, point us to, to what is right and true. But when God promises something in his word, we can be confident in our prayers. Because God does not lie. He always keeps his word. The confidence we have when we pray is that God will hear his children. He delights to hear his children. And he will always keep his word. And so Daniel, having read God's word, turns to God and seeks him in prayer. And we'll read the prayer, it's the long verses 14, or 4 to 19, and we'll um, just continue on. Okay, starting in verse 4 of chapter 9. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him, and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name uh, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness but to us open shame. As at this day to the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you've driven them, because of the treachery they've committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses the servant of God had been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like that which has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself, as at this day 
We have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God. Pay um, Because your city and your people are called by your name. So just as our confidence is in the promises of God, now we see that um, our attitude in prayer is meant to be repentant, humble, and an attitude of faith in God. We see that the repentance come up so much in this prayer, the confession of sin where Daniel over and over says, to us belong open shame. We have rebelled. We have not listened to your prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law. And it goes on and on. Where he is acknowledging sin and he turns from that sin and he looks to God who has mercy and who is righteous and who is able to to save. He does not take sin lightly, but he repents of sin and acknowledges the sin of all of the people of Israel. So there's repentance and there's also this humility here. Daniel really reminds us that all that God does for us is undeserved. It's always because of his mercy, his righteousness, not because of our righteousness, he says. And it's something that we need to be mindful of in prayer or else we are um, we're acting as though something that we don't deserve is ours. And it's all because of him and his glory and his grace. And so we appeal not to our righteousness, not to our goodness, but to the goodness, the righteousness, and the mercy of God. Because of what he has done, it is true then that we can have confidence and we can know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And so there is no it's not like we grovel, but we, we understand that we need the Lord in all things, that all things come from Him. That is 
the attitude of humility that we look to God and not to ourselves. So we're to be repentant and humble and also to have faith in God's character. Daniel contrasts the sin of the people with the worthiness and the justice of God. Daniel points out that God was just to judge them. He remembers the law of Moses which promised that they would be punished if they would turn away from the Lord. And so he acknowledges God's righteousness in all that he does. And then he appeals to God's mercy, his favor, and his righteousness. He asks him to forgive and to restore because of who he is in his kindness toward his people. The attitude of prayer is humble repentance and faith in the Lord. And so it's interesting to me that even though these things are promised in God's sure word, Daniel doesn't demand them, but he appeals to and has great confidence in God's promises and God's character. I'm reminded of Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, which says, But when the kindness and love, the goodness and kindness of God our Savior toward man appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so our confidence is in Jesus Christ, and we come to him because of his righteousness and his mercy, not anything good of ourselves. So we've seen the confidence we have in prayer is in the promises of God. The attitude that we are to have in prayer is, is to have humble repentance and faith. And lastly, truly God-centered prayer is focused on, on who? It's focused on God and His glory. And so Daniel over and over um, speaks of God acting according to His righteousness. He says, for your own sake, verse 17 and 19, because of your righteousness, verse 18, and in verse 19, for your city and your people are called by your name. It's all about the glory of God. Psalm 115, 1 and 2 um, is a wonderful prayer from the people of Israel. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. For why should the nations say, where is their God? 
Daniel's great desire in all of this isn't for himself or even just for his people, but it was about the glory of God. And until this becomes the all-consuming passion of our hearts, until this becomes our focus, there will always be a part of us that is asking instead for what we want, to spend it on our passions, that is concerned more about ourselves. And so we're not uh, praying for the right reasons or with the right attitude even though sometimes we do ask for good and right things. The Lord desires that it to be about His glory. When we pray, we are to pray, firstly, to our Father, and secondly, hallowed be thy name. And so really, the Lord wants the cry of our hearts to be, Glorify your name, O God, in all the earth. Because everything about prayer is about God and His ways, His goodness. It's about coming before the Lord of the universe, the Father who loves us, committing our ways to Him, trusting in Him and desiring Him to have His way in us. True And effective prayer is confident in the promises of God. It's characterized by repentance, humility, and faith. And is always, always, always focused on the glory of God. Our passage for this morning concludes in verses 20 and 23. While I was speaking, Daniel says, and while I was praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the end of at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. While Daniel was confessing his and Israel's sins, while he was presenting his plea before the Lord, he received an answer. A wonderful reminder that God hears our prayers. That he is not slow to respond. And he received the encouragement that he is greatly loved. And God goes on to give him this insight into his plan for his people, which we'll talk about uh, next week. God loves his children. In Jesus, you are greatly loved as Daniel was. He delights to answer our prayers. He longs for us to trust his promises, to trust his good and perfect character, and to humbly turn to him. 
The bottom line is that God wants us to come to Him. He wants our prayers to be shaped by the Scripture and to be focused on Him. So don't give up. Consider how God would have you to grow in your prayers. Is it that perhaps the Lord wants us, wants His Word to guide our prayers more than it does? That He wants to get our attention and and have us to come to Him in repentance and humility instead of with sin and, and all this presuming upon ourselves and our ways. So that He wants us to trust Him more. To focus on Him and His glory. And I think it's important that we think about these things and what areas we need to grow in prayer. To focus intentionally on them. But ultimately comes down to considering the one who answers prayer. To remember that we come before him because of his righteousness and mercy, not because of anything that we have done. We come before him because of the cross. And so we can be confident in his goodness, his faithfulness, and in his promises. The Lord answers prayer. So it's worth fighting for. We can be confident in the promises of God. Humble, repentant, and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And our focus really can be on the glory of God as we look to the one who answers prayer. And we look to his word. To God be the glory. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.